Hello, welcome everybody to episode 111 of the No Normal Show for Thursday, July 8th, brought to you by Revive Health. This is our weekly deep dive into how hospital and health system marketers and communicators can navigate what we call the No Normal. I'm Chris Bevelo, Chief Brand Officer at Revive Health and your host for the show. I am joined by Gretchen Smitson, Marketing Specialist at Revive Health and our show's producer. Hello, Gretchen. Hey, Chris. Good to be here. Good to see you as always. And we are thrilled to have also with us Heather Geisler. Heather was appointed Chief Marketing Communications and Experience Officer at Henry Ford Health System in 2020. A gifted strategist and transformative leader, Heather's skill and passion for consumer engagement positioned Henry Ford to make an even greater impact on the communities it serves through unified mission, unparalleled customer experience, and innovative care. Before Henry Ford, and this is what gets me excited, no offense to Henry Ford, Heather acted, <laughs> as, Heather acted as SVP of global brands for Hyatt Hotels Corporation. While at Hyatt, she led global marketing, positioning, and growth of Hyatt's full and select service brands portfolio. In 2018, Hospitality Management Magazine named her among its 30 most influential women in hospitality. She also acted as VP of brand marketing at MSNBC, responsible for developing the TV cable channel's brand positioning and growth strategy. Hello, Heather. Hi, Chris. Hi, Gretchen. It's so great to be here with you guys today. Thanks so much for the invitation. Yes, we are so thrilled to have you. And again, I probably gave away why, but uh, we always love having folks in the show who have experience from outside of this space. Uh, so cannot wait to dive in with you. I'm gonna cover some quick housekeeping notes before we do that, and then we'll get underway. So if you're new to this show, uh, this is where we share industry trends, research, stories from people from within or outside or both, in Heather's case, of the health space. Uh, we, we're trying to basically give you whatever we can to help you as a health system marketer navigate what we call the no normal. If you want to know what we mean by the no normal, uh, we wrote a blog post last year when we launched this podcast, uh, just over a year ago, actually. Uh, you can find a link to that in the comment section of the show. Gretchen will post it there. Uh, she may also post other links there as we go forward. If you are not live, uh, remember, or I guess if you are live, either way, remember you can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So make sure you sign up for that. And as always, we post a video recording of the episode by the next day. So by midday tomorrow, you can find a recording of this show, which will be at our website. You can find that at thinkrevivehealth.com backslash no dash normal. For all of our past podcast episodes, all 111 uh, will be there tomorrow at noon. All right. So I've already applauded a couple times. And as I mentioned, we love talking to folks who come from outside of the health system space. Uh, at least personally, and I know our, as an agency, we have always advocated for bringing new people, new thinking, new ideas from outside the hospital and health system space, because uh, as we all know, we have a lot of catching up to do here. And the more we can learn from those who are farther ahead in terms of marketing, branding, experience development, the quicker we're going to get to where we need to be. Uh, and so here we have Heather. Uh, I can't wait to, to, to dive into some of your insights based on where you came from. But let's just start with you, you've been in healthcare for 10 months. 
So let's start with that. Uh, what are some of the biggest differences you've experienced as you've have you now waded into a completely different industry and one that is awfully complex? It's incredibly complex. And I think it was, you know, I, I had, um, and I will say a privilege to join at probably one of the most complex times for healthcare as an industry, right? Um, let's be honest. <laughs> um, I left from one industry in hospitality that was gravely impacted by um, the pandemic and moved into another that was grappling with it in completely different ways. And I, I think one of the things um, that I have learned um, there are some obviously some distinct differences um, and some challenges I think in healthcare in terms of you know how data can be leveraged. You know what does personalization look like in marketing and communications and in healthcare versus in hospitality and other industries, given a, the high level of necessary regulation and per, um, privacy protections that exist as it relates to data. But I think one of the things that I found and been surprised with is the similarities, um, and that is you know, first and foremost, that experience matters. Um, and experience is broader than, you know, in hospitality, the impression of a brand and an experience doesn't just, isn't just shaped by what happens in the hotel. And in, and in um, healthcare, the experience or, you know, and perception of the experience in the brand isn't just what happens in a clinical care setting, right? That, that there's a much broader continuum of, um, opportunities to influence and shape experience impressions of brand across a greater continuum and then I think one of the things I think is um, in hospitality that's been something that's been really recognized is a lot more of that work that has to be done in the you know kind of pre-stay post-stay um, kind of experience through the booking journey things like that that really influence impressions of the brand and, and sets an expectation then maybe has been done in healthcare and I think there's a huge opportunity there to think more broadly about experience and I think that's one of the things that's been so exciting about joining especially at a time when expectations about what an experience means has been fundamentally flipped on its head right yeah. um, and and so while that um, I think probably could is incredibly unsettling and, and creates a lot of anxiety, it also creates tremendous opportunity to reimagine everything. Um, and I think that's that's what's so exciting about joining healthcare at this time, especially thinking about how we can um, how we can think differently about our brands and our experiences moving forward. Yeah, that's that's all great. It, and as somebody who's been in this space or working in this space for Ooh, a long time, 20 years plus. Uh, one of the things that I think has been great to see is the transition over that time period, because really it has happened almost directly over that time period, from thinking about experience in terms of patient experience, because yeah. that's where it started. Um, and, and that was really, as you described, very much focused on inpatient experience, what happens once they get to the hospital, bedside manner, patient pathways, all of that, um, which of course is very important, but but over time there's become a much broader recognition that now actually not only is does that not capture the full experience, we probably ought to be talking about this in terms of a consumer experience yeah. because a lot of the people that experience us um, aren't patients yet, and we need to still we need to give them a great experience too. And if we if we think about them as patients, we might not do that. And so uh, it, it's both the broadening of 
the purview of experience and also the recognition that it extends even beyond beyond what we consider a, a patient, quote unquote. So it's it's so important. Um, and, and as you mentioned, I mean, you're coming from, uh, you know, I didn't even think of that, Heather, that, that you you've come from hospitality. You joined in 2020. So, I mean, hospitality just got destroyed last year. Right. Oh. I mean, holy cow. And now and you moved into maybe one of the industries that was busier, more active. Right. Obviously, not a surprise. But talk to us more historically about what you learned in hospitality you think can apply in, in, in healthcare? Yeah, I think there's there's kind of two two themes that, that are really important um, in hospitality that have huge applications for healthcare. One is loyalty. Um, and let's be honest, anybody who's joined, um, whether it's World of Hyatt or Marriott Bonvoy or, you know, uh, airline loyalty program, there's a very clear reason why loyalty is critical. And it's about driving um, a deeper level of engagement um, with folks. It's about driving preference and choice. Um, and it's about really making sure that you're capitalizing on the lifetime value of that relationship that you would have with that guest, right? Or with that flyer or with that traveler. And a huge portion of how um, health, how um, hospitality companies are competing in an incredibly competitive multi-brand space, right? There are more hotel brands now um, than any of us could probably count on two hands, right? Um, and the way you drive preference um, and the way you drive loyalty and the way you differentiate your brand is through your loyalty program. It allows smaller brands to compete. Um, and that's focused on experience. And so I do think that loyalty as a concept is not something that we've actively talked about potentially in healthcare. Um, because in, in some ways, um, there's there's two things that I think get in the way of, of that conversation. One is the idea of, um, is of choice, fundamentally of choice, right? Because no one, you can choose to go on a business trip or you can choose to go on vacation. You do not choose to be sick. Right, you do not choose to have something. That those are things that unfortunately happen to you. That said, and I do think it's important to say, you know, to pivot there pretty quickly, um, where people do have choice and do create expectations about how they expect to be treated. Um, and even for folks that don't have means, they still come in with an expectation that you either will meet or fail to meet through the experience that you offer to them once they're in your setting. So, I think that um, thinking about loyalty is really really, really important for healthcare brands. Because when you think about lifetime value, the, the value of those interactions, the value of those experiences, you are building potentially a 40 or 50 or 60 year engagement, right? That with not only that patient or that consumer, but with everybody that they influence, um, which we know in healthcare, um, word of mouth, you know, is a critical driver of choice and preference. So we really do need to think about how every opportunity that we have to interact with that patient, that consumer before they're a patient, is an opportunity to shape an, shape, shape an expectation, to build, you know, to a, a deeper, more meaningful, more loyal relationship, and then to continue to nurture that um, when they're, you know, not even directly in our care through providing, you know, being a, a trusted source of information, helping them navigate their own healthcare decisions and those of their family and friends. So 
I do think loyalty as a concept is something really interesting. And it goes from a marketing perspective, but also thinking about things like the mapping of, of consumer journeys, experience design and integration, optimizing the integration between you know, online and offline um, care experiences. Um, and, and so I do think that that is, that is something that we can definitely learn from hospitality. And I will tell you, when hospitality got walloped by COVID, um, it, it, you know, you saw this incredible shift on first and foremost, maintaining the relationships with their members, right? And, and the first thing you did was see extension of tier benefits, right. you know, extended cancellation policies, because they know that when they were able, when people started to come back, those are the folks that were going to come back first. And we had to make sure that they were coming back um, and choosing to come back to us. Um, and so I think, you know, there's a lot that we need to think about. Um, and I, again, I think the difference is it's not a, you know, people think about loyalty and hospitality as, you know, an elite idea. I wouldn't say that. I'm not trying to say that that's what we need, that we need kind of a tiered approach to patients or consumers. But we do need to think about what it means to build deeper, more meaningful, more rewarding relationships with those that we serve over a more extended period. There's a comment from Alan Shoebridge, who we know well. He's a, a, a oftentimes attendee. I, don't, I said that completely wrong. Alan shows up a lot. He's great. He's got a lot of good stuff to say. And he, he reflects what you're saying here. You know, healthcare and healthcare marketers undervalue the retention of existing patients. I was just talking to somebody last week from outside the traditional hospital and health system space about uh, folks like walmart and apple and all of these kind of new entrants and the person was making the point look these folks you know very similarly to to hospitality understand loyalty they understand it because consumers are always at the center of what they do they understand the value of it healthcare you go in for a hundred thousand dollar you know heart procedure and you might get a couple of follow-up emails and you're done and yeah. we forget about you uh, and so there's there's huge opportunity. And, and to your point, that doesn't mean it's about points. It doesn't mean it's about, you know, rewards. Uh, it doesn't have to be those things. Uh, you said it perfectly. It's about building a relationship uh, that builds that that loyalty over time. Well, and you should think about rewards, though, in healthcare, right? Like the rewards are better outcomes. The rewards are like, you know, being receiving information that helps you make informed decisions. The rewards can be about getting back time, right? So you're not standing, you know, on, so you don't have to call every time you have to make an appointment and waste, you know, 45 minutes trying to schedule something that I could do in five minutes on my own, you know, if I was booking anything other, anything other than a doctor's appointment, right? Like those are rewards and benefits. Right. And we need to start thinking in that way of what are the things that we are giving back people to people that are valuable to them. You know, the number one thing that we hear in loyalty and hospitality that we heard um, is that the one thing that people really wanted more than anything, more than free nights, more than um, maybe not more than free nights, but more than like <laughs> the free bottle of water you get in your hotel room. Right. Was know me, recognize me thank me, right, for my business and, and and understand my preferences. Because by the way, I've stayed in your hotels for 10 years. So you should know that I don't like to stay by the elevator. And you right. should know that I, you know, like I need an extra pillow, right? You have that all in your records. So just do it for me when I show up. 
when you think about that in healthcare, we have more information on our parents, on our patients, than any hotel has on their desks, right? Like, let's be honest. And so simple things like, why do I have to fill out the same forms four times, right? You know me, you have all of that information. So why do I keep getting asked to do that? If I'm a repeat patient, then thank me for coming back. Say, oh, it's been a while since we've seen you. Help me schedule my next appointment, right? In the same way that, you know, you, we all get bounce back offers when we stay in hotels. You loved your time in Hawaii, book for next year. Why can't we make it easy for to help people coordinate and book their follow-up appointments or, or referring to specialists within our own networks? Like these are all things that we need to be thinking about that while not the traditional rewards, perks, or benefits are certainly things that are of high value. And that's where the power of insights and understanding, which you do see, and personalization, which you see come to play in a lot of other industries, needs to be adopted as just a way of doing business in healthcare, which is know me, recognize me, and help me um, get more value out of the experience that I'm having with you. And and I and all of those things are doable, but they yeah. do take a focus, right? They take a they take a, a shift in orientation. Um, and it does take this idea of balancing outcomes, which are critically important. Right. The reality is we need people to leave our hospitals or our uh, medical centers feeling better than when they came in. Right. That should be the ultimate goal. But if there are things that we can do along that journey, before that journey and after that journey that um, help round out that experience, that help us further deliver on that expectation that we have, that creates that orientation of they really do care about me and know me. We need to be doing those things. Yeah, that's great. Um, if you're live with us, make sure you, if you got a question for Heather, throw it in the comment section. Um, we'd love to get more comments and questions in. Uh, you know, all of this is so central to the, the concept of brand. And you're now at a really well-respected brand in this industry, Henry Ford Health System. Uh, been around a long time. Uh, talk to us a little bit about how you think about brand there and in, in how you think about that moving forward. Yeah, I think, you know, I do think that the power of brand um, and making sure that people really understand that in many ways, your brand is your most valuable asset, right? It's it's true in, in um, consumer packaged goods. I mean, all you have to do is talk to Apple or St. Jude about what their most important asset is and they're gonna talk to you about their brand, right? Like, let's mm -hmm. be honest, you know, um, uh, you know, St. Jude, uh, you know, gets millions of people to give them money. And, and most of those folks can't even tell you where St. Jude is, right. right? Because that's the power of their brand. And so I do think that brand in healthcare is really critical, especially as you see people exercising more choice and preference, right? And, um, and so, but I do think it also has to be this combination of how are we creating an expectation that feels ownable and differentiated in the markets? How does it feel relevant to what people are looking for in an experience? And then how are we ensuring from an operation standpoint that we're delivering on that experience? So it really does come full circle. At Henry Ford, we have a 105-year-old story yeah. brand, right? Um, you don't get more legacy than that. And you know, Henry Ford as a name is known internationally. Um, and so that's an incredible opportunity and an incredible responsibility. 
um, because what we have to make sure is that we continue to maintain the equity that exists in that name in the markets we serve, which is a focus on innovation, being a really trusted partner in the communities we serve. But how are we also making sure that we're building a brand that has staying power and feels highly relevant for the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, yeah. 60, 100 years, right? And and so I do think the power of brand is to not set it and forget it, that we always need to be testing and calibrating, ensuring our value proposition is highly relevant to who we are today and the people we serve and who we're going to need, what it's going to need to communicate to be competitive in the future. Um, and that's all work that, you know, um, it is is largely the responsibility for us as marketers and people who influence um, the experience, but actually is the collective responsibility of everybody in the organization um, to really understand that brand, that promise, and ensure that in each, everybody in their own way are delivering on that expectation. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I want to move to something that uh, when we when we talked before the show, I just thought was such an interesting way to come at building brand and, you know, being successful in marketing. And that's the idea of control. Uh, talk to us a little bit how, you know, you think about control and why you think that's important when it comes to the experience that, that folks have in healthcare. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think the challenge with healthcare um, as an industry is that people do not feel like they have control. You know, you see, um, you see folks really looking to exercise control in a lot of parts of their lives. And, and in many ways in healthcare, we've kind of held them captive. You know, like we haven't given them, it's not easy to switch providers. I mean, it's easier now with electronic medical records and things like that than it's been in the past, but it's a little like financial services in that way, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's hard to change banks. There's a lot of stuff that's like, that's, that's sewed up in that experience to like switch a bank is like, that's why people, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I have like three accounts that are sitting out there with, you know, 15 bucks in them because to close them and to move everything over and to figure out what bills are being paid, like it's really hard to do. And we've done that in healthcare a little bit too. So we've taken people for, for granted, I think our patients in some ways, um, but the opportunity we have is to create and help give people back more control and choice um, through the different channels in which they engage with us, right? And I do think it's the beauty and the promise of things like virtual care, right? Because more than ever, people are saying, I want choice and could, I may not be able to choose the exam or choose the fact that I need to have a mammogram, you know, every year, which is a pain in the butt. But I want to be able to choose when I have it done. I want to be choose be able to choose where I have it done. And it's not just whose doctor's office, right? It's, right. it's if I want it done at home. Do I want it done in an ambulatory setting? Do I need to go into the hospital for that procedure? So the when, where, and in some cases, the why, right? Like more than ever, people are, are exerting control. They're saying they're doing more research. They have access to more information that's coming from sources outside of what we can control. And we can decide that that's a good or a bad thing. But it is a thing, right? And yeah. it is a reality. And this all comes from this fundamental need to be able to exert more control over situations where people don't have a lot of control. Um, you know, it, it, and, and so understanding those needs, not just the ones or the expectations, but the fundamental kind of truths and needs of what people are feeling and looking for and experience is really important. And we did used to talk about this a lot in hospitality, right? You know, when you when you think about the journey, even the pre-booking experience, what do people bring to the idea of a business trip? 
You know, people are like, oh, they want a hotel room that's close to where they're going. Yeah, they do. But they're also leaving the fact that like, what's going to happen at the office when I'm not there? Are my kids going to eat mac and cheese for a week because I'm not going to be home to give them a well-balanced meal? Like, this is the baggage that people bring to a trip. And understanding that, being able to anticipate that, you know, throughout our communications, being able to acknowledge that are all things that help shape the impression of that experience, prepare people for their stay. So when they show up, they feel more confident, more assured, more comforted to be in that experience. We need to do the same thing in healthcare. We need to be asking the questions, what are people feeling? What are the anxieties, the stress, the trauma, the concerns? And how are we shaping not only our experiences, but our communications to acknowledge, to address, um, and to make sure that we are helping them, you know, give back even some semblance of control in situations where they they probably feel like they have little to no. It's just such a it's just such a fascinating concept, and I've really never come across it. And it's so dead on. Uh, anybody who's had an inpatient encounter or who has a family member who's had one, and you've been there as a guest, you know that lack of control. You're you're there. You don't know when they're going to come back to you. They said they round in an hour, but you haven't seen a doctor. The nurse doesn't know. You don't know what's going to happen because, of course, it's a medical situation. Um, there is such a lack of control in that. And what's interesting to me is more and more you hear from patient advocates, look, if you want to have success in your health experiences, you have to take control of your own health. Um, that's how you're going to make sure that nothing's missed. That's how you can make sure you get what you need for you. Um, and, and that's true, but that almost seems adversarial. And, and there should be a way that even given the unknown, which is so at the heart of so much of healthcare, you can't get rid of that. You can't promise the outcome of a surgery. You can't yeah. promise a doctor will show up in a hospital at a certain time because that's, that's just not how it works. But there's got to be ways to provide more feeling of control and more options of control. So people feel more of that, even though you can't give it utterly. Uh, there's got to be a way to come to them more than basically leaving them feeling, all right, this is on me, or I don't trust that it's going to get done the way it should. Um, well, and I mean, I, our ultimate goal should be to give patients and consumers more control over their health care. And, and, and again, there are, to your point, there are things that are a huge human factor that get hard to do with, right? Like the one thing that is consistent about healthcare experiences is that they're inconsistent, right? Like, let's be honest. Um, but, but for the things we can control, right? Communications channels, right? Like how are we leveraging digital for communications in a more seamless, integrated way? Um, how are we making sure that people um, can navigate decisions by anticipating their next action, right? How are we easing things like pre-scheduling of appointments or, you know, appointment reminders, or um, there are things that we can control in some ways that are beneficial to our providers, because you know what? If we can surround them with lots of things that they don't have to worry about, then let them focus on what they do best, which is healing people, right? Like us as marketers and the other experience need to make sure the other things, the things that we can control and that give control to our patients are, are flawless so that they can focus on the hard stuff. Right. Um, we talk a lot about the balance between tech being high touch and high tech. And one of the things I think that we've talked about at Henry Ford is it's 
is, is it high touch, high tech, or high tech, high touch? And I like to think that it's high touch, high tech. And the, the way we use technology and digital channels and communications is to actually empower those high touch, meaningful, compassionate experiences. So those are the parts of the journey where we can control it, where we can optimize it, where we should be we should be as spot on as we can to meeting and exceeding consumer expectations. So what happens in the care settings really are is all about the relationship between that provider and that patient. I think that's great. And and I'm just going to leave it with one more thing and we can move on to the next one. The, the point you're making at the end reminds me of the conversation we had with a lot of clients and others last year as virtual care exploded and they recognized the value and they started to want to leverage it more planfully and strategically and promote it. And, you know, we saw a lot of folks out there promoting virtual care as, you know, receive care through your computer. It's it's through video and it's, you know, that's the technology, that's the means, that is not the value. No. That's, that is not the value at all. That just happens to be how it happens. The value is convenience. The value is is the, the, the greater ability to, to touch, even though it's virtually, the caregiver more often, easier, all those things. Um, and I think that speaks right to what you're what you're saying about that. I think it totally does. I mean, I think the other thing that's interesting is is in thinking about care and COVID, there were a lot of things that were forced, right? We had to do out of necessity. But shame on us if we don't look at what the impact were the, from those interactions and learn from them. You know, and one example I think that I've heard, and again, like you know, in all candor, we're working through this. You know, I don't think I don't think Henry Ford has gotten this totally right. But you know, you hear anecdotally one of one of the stories I know that I heard when I joined the system, and that's you know, joining in this. I joined in the fall, so I I missed um, kind of the immediacy. Of, of the hard pivot that had to happen, you know, with visitor restrictions and things like that, um, when when the pandemic really started hitting in spring of 2020. But, um, you know, one of the things I heard about was iPads, right? The first thing that everybody did was they brought in iPads because we couldn't have visitors in there. And, and you know, in some ways, those iPads were the only way that physicians were able and, and nurses were able to communicate with families. And in some cases, unfortunately, they were the ways that people had to say goodbye. Mm. Um, but one of the things that we did hear about iPads is that people loved them in some ways because they knew it was a scheduled communication that actually families were hearing more from caregivers because they were interacting off of iPads or had to do scheduled calls than the, you know, fly by, maybe I'll happen to be there when somebody's rounding. Right. And so what can we learn from that experience? You know, I mean, it's like, it's not like, oh, okay, now we're back. Let's go back to it. Like there were benefits of that, of, you know, the benefit of a really clear, concise communication about having set times for communications about, you know, knowing that those calls had to be super efficient. So really thinking about what was the most important information that I needed to convey at that point in the conversation. Like those are all things we can learn. And I do think that there has to be this feedback this continuous feedback and evaluation, you know, kind of cycle. And that's what you learn about, you know, kind of cutting edge digital, you know, tech first industries is that they're constantly innovating and learning from these technologies. So we can't just um, put them out there and say, okay, now we have a, you know, virtual visits platform, or now we have a scheduling on demand platform. What we have to be doing is constantly securing from our both our providers who are on those platforms and have to use them and our patients, what's working, what's not working, 
What do you love about it? What do you hate about it? And that helps us both on the marketing end in terms of, again, creating that expectation and highlighting the benefits that are most important, but also on the experience end of making sure that we're delivering them and we're providing platforms that are easy to use and create that optimal experience. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Let's, let's wrap or let's, let's come to the, not wrap, but come to the final, the final topic here. And it's the concept of like thinking about all of this in a long-term perspective, which is, which is so counter to how hospitals and health systems have always thought about patient relationships. In our, you know, it's an encounter. It's a reimbursable encounter. Uh, it goes back to like going for a hundred thousand dollar surgery, and we may not ever talk to you again until you come back in. Um, talk to us about playing the long game. Yeah, I do think. I mean, I do think we have to start to think about you know, one of the things that you do do talk about in loyalty and hospitality is lifetime value of a mm -hmm. member, right? Um, and it's critical in terms of calibrating your investment. It's critical in terms of long-term planning um, and how you think about the experiences that you need to roll out to continue to build. It's basically the, the concept is how are we making sure that we are, um, that we are we're driving preference, right? At the end of the day, it's about driving preference. And so I do think we need to think about that in healthcare from um, what is the point of entry? So what is bringing somebody into us? And then how do we continue to build on that experience in a way that delivers, like I said, those benefits back to the, to the patient? But also, how are we thinking about our um, patients um, really as extensions of, the, of our family, right? And the reality is we, we want people to come back because it makes the care better, you know, and drives obviously the financial benefits back to the system that you need to be able to sustain and project for growth. So you, you think about a lot of healthcare systems think about growing in terms of scale, which is critically important either in services or in geography or footprint, but you also have to go deep. Right, which is how are you really making sure that you're investing in each and every patient, um, so that you know that when whenever something happens, you are the one that they go to without question um, as kind of that first that first point of entry. And a lot of that happens through critical primary care relationships, right? Which is why those primary care providers are so important. But they also come through how are you continuing between those those in-person care interactions of keeping folks engaged with the system or with, you know, with your organization. And I do think there's things, really critical programs, health coaching, health information, you know, programming, relevant programming, um, <laughs> sending them a message on their birthday, making it easy to connect them to other providers, um, being a source, a, a really easy referral source for them um, when if they want to talk to friends or neighbors, right? Like, is there a really clear way for them to be able to help connect people they love to your system? Um, these are all things that you think about in loyalty um, that we don't necessarily think about in the same way in healthcare, um, and I think are important. And again, they're important because they help us continue to grow, um, which as marketers is what we're responsible for, right? But they also deliver better care um, and and happier patients and healthier communities, right? So these are not mutually exclusive con concepts. You know, a lot of times I think, you know, healthcare folks can point to some, point to other industries and are like, um, 
well, but that's, you know, it's, it's different. It's commercial, it's corporate. Right. Um, and, you know, especially as a non, a nonprofit, you know, healthcare system. Um, but the principles about understanding and leveraging consumer insights, prioritizing experience really are universal. And um, the reality is you have happy people. You have happy employees because you have when you have happy patients, you have happy employees. When you have happy employees, you have happy patients. Um, and these are just true. These are fundamental human truths um, that deliver both great outcomes financially as well as great outcomes um, from the health and wellness of those we serve. Yeah, I, I kind of bring in a comment from someone um, that relates to a lot of this, um, in particular, the idea of building a relationship and, and lifetime value. Um, and she says, I love my doctors, but they know I'm high risk for breast cancer. Wish I didn't have to go get another, all caps, referral for a mammogram, right? And that goes back to what you were saying earlier, like they should know, uh, they shouldn't require that. They should be actually proactively helping her rather than uh, making her go through hoops. Well, and I do think that's that's one thing that's super interesting. And I think when you see a lot of the new entrants in the health space, especially folks around primary care, they're very, very focused on kind of developed and proven care plans, you know, around conditions. And the reality is, you know, you think about something like a pregnancy, like, you know, I'm going to be pregnant for nine months. You know in advance every single test that I need to have, right? I need to have multiple ultrasounds. If you know, if something happens, I may need to have, you know, additional additional blood work. Like, why aren't we planning that out from the moment that you confirm my pregnancy? <laughs> right? Like, can't we just schedule that all up front? Like, let's get that all done, you know? And then by the way, all of those things you have to check in with me on, you know, weigh in today, you know, what did you eat? going to a party, here's what you should be thinking about for your mocktail recommendation, like help me know those things, right? So you still have to optimize and personalize, but if we understand the journey for some of these, you know, health conditions or um, same thing, you know, things like diabetes are, are places where we can, we should be able to anticipate and help map you know, even if it's through reminders and we have really powerful tools now, right? Like yeah. there's an app for that. <laughs> you know, I have my chart, you can push things to me. So like, let's go ahead and schedule it and then work with me to do it. Help make it easy for me. Um, and I, you know, I think Dana's question is spot on that, you know, th this is this idea of you have so much data about me. There, there will be some things I don't want you to use and certainly don't sell it to anybody else. And, you know, if it's sensitive, I don't want you to show it. But if it helps make my life easier, if it gives me peace of mind, if it means two less phone calls for me, um, because you already know where I live, what I need and when I need it, then just do it for me. I think it's a huge opportunity. And then, by the way, there's tons of innovation happening in this space. Our system is trying to figure out the right mix of tools and 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 services and benefits to, to do it as I, I think are probably most systems. I think I think intuitively in healthcare, we all understand this. Um, it's a little bit daunting and it's certainly hard to scale, right? It's a place where a lot of people are piloting new things. Um, and I do think it's an opportunity for us as an industry to come together and share and socialize best practices too. Um, because again, some of these things are based on fundamental human truths and there, there are tons of opportunities as, as we think competitively to also just raise and fundamentally change expectations of what healthcare is supposed to be in a healthcare experience. And, and frankly, I think that's all of our responsibility. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. All right. Let's, let's, let's do wrap there. Let's use wrap the right way. 
this has been what I thought it would be, which is full of amazing insight and new ideas and thinking because it always helps to, to apply experiences from other situations. Um, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't, but uh, we just have to have that. We have to have uh, new thinking all the time in this space. So, so, so thrilled that you're able to join us. Thank you for, for being here, Heather. No, thank you so much. It's so great. I, I, you know, I, I chose to join healthcare in a pandemic because of the incredible opportunity for reimagination, reinvention um, in an industry that's so critical um, to not only the health of my family, but the health of the communities that I live in. And, and so I, I'm very, very excited to contribute to this conversation um, and uh, hopefully to keep it going with you and our extended community in the future. Yeah, absolutely. We'll 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 definitely reconnect with you in one or two ways down the road. Maybe we'll have you back on the show. Uh, we've got a an event in early 2022 that we'd love to have you maybe be on a panel on. So really glad you were here, Gretchen. Thank you as always for setting us up and keeping us flowing. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Gretchen. If you would like us to cover something or have a guest on that you think would be great to hear from, let us know that now in the comments section if you're with us live. If you're hearing this afterwards, you can shoot us an email at nonormal at thinkrevivehealth.com. Uh, remember to go there for a recording of today's episode uh, by midday Friday, as well as all the past episodes and a sneak peek of who we have coming up. Uh, and also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And until next week, good luck, everybody out there in the no normal. Thanks for joining.